Scott's uh, sermon this week, I thought, wouldn't it be nice if we had a do-over, if we had a do-over button? Andy, guess what? It's not, there we go. Did I do that or you do that? Me? Okay. I'll press it six or seven times and we'll get it. But, uh, you know, just think, you know, if we had this do-over button, in one sense we do, because uh, when we come to a relationship uh, with Christ, it's really not a do-over button, it's a start-over button. When we come into a relationship with Christ and, and we, um, when we realize that need and we, and we come to him, it's really like starting over because he cleanses us. He takes that sin away and he gives us a, a, a new, well, a new life, really, a, a new heart. Now, you, you know, you don't necessarily, uh, well, you, you certainly can't feel something, but I mean, it, it's not like, uh, you know, surgery or anything, but it's, you know, it's that opportunity for us to do better. Now, even though I have a relationship with Christ, uh, I still mess up at times. Uh, you know, we, we all do. Uh, sometimes I choose less than the best, not sin, but maybe just a rash or, uh, you know, I- impulsive decision. Uh, you know, or a reaction to something. Uh, but there are also times that I also sin. I give in to anger, and anger is what, you know, begins to control, and I allow that to lash out. Uh, scripture's pretty clear, you know, we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't be doing that. Anytime that I let my preferences come before God's direction, anytime I let my preferences come before God in my life, that's sin. So when I do my own thing and either ignore God or, you know, I'm so consumed with my own thing that I'm not paying attention to God, uh, you know, that, that is sin. Each time I feed hateful thoughts, that's sin. Each time, you know, each time that I, I say something to make, to make the person I'm talking to think less of the person I'm talking about, that's sin. So even though we come and have a relationship with Christ and we get this whole opportunity to start over again, we still sin sometimes. I can't undo the things, I can't undo the things I've done. I can't unsay the things I've said. I can't do that. None of us can do that. That's not, that's not an option for us. What I hope that we remember though, from today is that every opportunity, uh, you know, that comes into our life is an opportunity to do better. And that's the, there we go. That's the first plank in your outline and we'll get these, uh, this remote figured out one of these days. But, you know, that, you know, every opportunity, every opportunity to sin, remember this, every opportunity to sin is also an opportunity not to sin. It is an opportunity to do better. Every opportunity that comes along and you have that opportunity and temptation to sin is an opportunity not to sin. It is an opportunity to do better. We need to be careful. Don't be held back by the past. That is a tool of the enemy of our souls quite often. That he likes to bring up the past, you know, so that we, we, we think of the past. And we get hung up back there then instead of paying attention to what God's doing now. 
Or sometimes, you know, we, we can kind of beat ourselves up. And, you know, and, and we forget. We forget, you know, the fact that God has forgiven us. Don't be held back by the past. Look forward to the opportunities to do better. Look forward to choose better. You know, look forward to, you know, to be a better follower of Christ. Because really that's what we're talking about as we look at all of this. Let's pray and we're going to turn to our passage for today. Father, thank you again for your word and your truth. Thank you for the way in which you minister to us. Thank you for those you bring around us that that um, help us, can challenge us sometimes. We're not always crazy about challenges, but sometimes we need those. I pray that you would challenge us from your word now, that you would help us to see your calling on our life a little bit clearer, that you would help us to understand the particulars of our life as we continue to look at the life of Joseph and what you had done in his life and how we might learn father that when those opportunities come for us that when they come to us and before us that we might choose to do better choose to follow you so guide us this time in our thoughts we pray in christ's name amen we're going to be in genesis chapter 44 if you want to turn there genesis chapter 44 we started this chapter last week we did not finish it uh, we made it through the first 13 verses and it was time to stop. Um, so we're going we're gonna to pick up in verse 14 actually. But if you recall in those first 13 verses, Joseph had his brother's bags loaded with grain. If you glance up, you'll see that. He had them loaded with grain. On top of that grain, which is what they came for, he returned their money into the top of their sacks, it says. And then in Benjamin's sack, he had his personal silver cup planted in 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 that sack uh, you know and he was had a plan and he was you know he was unfolding that um, now remember what was what's going on here we try to we we sometimes excuse this because it's joseph you see and certainly joseph what well, you know you know he's he's god's person yeah he was god's person but here's the deal it's never okay to lie Joseph perpetuated a lie, and it's never okay to lie. Joseph perpetuated a lie to get what he wanted. He wanted that connection with his brothers, and it's never, it's never okay to lie. The end does not justify the means. Now, you mean, you know, so what are you saying, Pastor, that, you know, uh, God didn't want Joseph to lie? No, he didn't. I do not believe that God wanted Joseph to lie. What you have in scripture is a clear recording of, of truth. And the truth is Joseph lied. Joseph perpetuated a lie here. And this is what you see happening. You know, do you think, you know, do you think that God couldn't have used righteous means in order to bring his family back? Of course he could have. Of course he could have, but what happens here is Joseph lies and he misses the opportunity to see God work in a, in a righteous way to bring his family back. Instead, God has to use Joseph's sin to accomplish his work. Joseph missed out on that opportunity to see God move through this part of the plan. I truly believe that. Joseph missed his opportunity to see God work in great ways to bring up, to, to bring about his brother's return there. It makes me wonder how much I've missed out because 
I've put my own plan forward and didn't wait for God to work out his plan. How much have I missed because, you know, because, because I did my own plan instead of searching for what God wanted me to do? You see, it's not always sitting back. Joseph very easily could have searched for what God wanted him to do. How did God want him to proceed? We see no indication of that at all. Instead, he perpetuates a lie. We saw last week, and it's already filled out in your outline there, uh, you know, you are responsible for the choices you make. You know, we're responsible for that. God might work in spite of us, but I would much rather work with God instead of doing my own thing. I would much rather work along with him. You know, I don't want to push my ideas and my agenda so that I miss seeing what God would do. You know, so I, sometimes, yes, that means we have to search. We have to search for what God wants. Some of it's, some of it's really clear. You know, God doesn't want you to lie. You know God doesn't want you to steal. You know God doesn't want you to murder. We know these things, you see. We don't have to pray about those. We know those things. So if that's not what God wants, then we begin to search, God, what do you want? And I I think Joseph missed an opportunity for personal growth here as, as well as seeing God working. Well, when the brothers, look at verse 9, when the brothers were confronted by Joseph's servants, notice their response in verse 9. If any of us is found to have it, they're talking about Joseph's silver cup here. If any of us is found to have it, he must die, and we will also become my Lord's slave. We notice that, you know, we should not be making impulsive statements. They were not going to want to follow through on this. They were not going to want any of their, uh, any of the, the brothers here to be killed. I think we can all relate to saying something impulsively. Maybe even already this morning. Uh, you know, we, we can relate to saying impulsive things. Th- something we wish we never would have said. I think that's what we see unfolding here. No way they would, no way they would have wanted to back that statement up of having one of their brothers killed. Now fortunately the steward steps in and you see the steward has enough sense to make the stakes more realistic. He says, nope, nope, only the guilty party, only the guilty party here would be put to death and would become a slave. Now, not ideal, but still better than death. You know, uh, uh, you know, but we also noticed their reaction to the cup being found. It says they tore their clothes, which to them was usually accompanied by, you know, uh, loud wailing and, and mourning. They were very expressive with their, uh, with their grief here. And what we noticed as we saw that is sometimes we take sin too lightly. You know, sometimes we take sin too lightly and we're not grieved by it at all. Or we are not as grieved by it as we should be. We take it too lightly. We're all sinners. The Bible's very clear on that. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But we discount sin. You see, we discount sin by thinking that what we've done is not so bad. When we think that what they've done is worse than us, but what we've done is not so bad, we are, we are discount. All sin is bad. There is no good sin. All right? Just be clear on that. There is no good sin. All sin is bad. All sin is an affront to God. Now, if you think of the events of these past two weeks, 
And if you think of what's been going on these last two weeks as a battle between whites and blacks, you have missed it. You have not seen what's going on. If you think all of this, all of the, you know, these demonstrations and things are between Black Lives Matter and All Lives Matter, then you still have some things that I think you need to see. If you think that what's been happening is about reforming police standards or defending the police, then I think you have forgotten where you stand. Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. What we have been seeing these last two weeks is a battle between sin and righteousness. That's what you have seen unfolding before you is a battle between light and darkness, a battle between good and evil. Romans chapter 12 says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but try to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, on your part, live at peace with everyone. That's what God's word says. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Try to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible on your part, live at peace with everyone. What you have been seeing these last couple weeks is a war between God's calling and man's pushing his own agenda. This is what you have seen unfolding. Man pushing his own ideas. Don't be surprised when those who don't know Christ act like those who don't know Christ. Sure, I'd like to see behavior change, but you know what? I'd like to see their heart changed more than that. Because if their heart were changed, then the, these things would be much different. There's plenty of sin on both sides of all that we've been seeing unfolding. And if you think it's one side over the other side, you are missing it. It is a battle between righteousness and sin. It is a battle between God and the forces of evil, the forces of darkness, those things which include man. And man's will to do his own thing and not follow God. This is what we've been seeing unfolding. Quit trying to get people to see your way and try to get them to see God's way. If all I can do is get get people to behave in a way I want them to behave and they still go to hell, what have I accomplished peace for myself, and letting them go to hell. That is not what we're to be doing. Stop thinking that God is on your side and get yourself on God's side. Do 
God's not choosing sides here. God has never left the place of righteousness. Get yourself in that place of righteousness. Quit being offended and start being holy. We need to be holy before God because God is holy and unrighteousness has no place before God and unrighteousness has no place in God's people. Get yourself on God's side. That brings us to where we need to pick up today. Verse 14. Follow along. It says, when Judah and his brothers reached Joseph's house, he was still there. They fell to the ground before him. What is this you have done? Joseph said to them. Didn't you know that a man like me could uncover the truth by divination? What can we say, my lord? Judah replied. How can we plead? How can we justify ourselves? God has exposed your servant's iniquity. We are now, my lord's slaves, both we and the one in whose possession the cup was found. Then Joseph said, I swear that I will not do this. The man in whose possession the cup was found will be my slave. The rest of you can go in peace to your father. But Judah approached him and said, Sir, please let your servant speak personally to my Lord. Do not be angry with your servant, for you are like Pharaoh. My Lord asked his servants, Do you have a father and a brother? And we answered, My Lord, We have an elderly father and a younger brother, the child of his old age. The boy's brother is dead. He is the only one of his mother's sons left, and his father loves him. Then you said to your servant, bring him to me so that I can see him. But we said to my Lord, the boy cannot leave his father. If he were to leave, his father would die. Then you said to your servants, if your younger brother does not come down with you, you will not see me again. Verse 24. This is what happened when we went back to your servant, my father. We reported your words to him, but our father said, go again and buy us some food. When he told him, we cannot go down unless our younger brother goes with us. So if our younger brother isn't with us, we cannot go see the man. Your servant, my father, said to us, you know that my wife bore me two sons. One left. I said that he must have been torn to pieces, and I have never seen him again. If you also take this one from me and anything happens to him, you will bring my gray hairs down to Sheol in sorrow. So if I come to your servant, my father, and the boy is not with us, his life is wrapped up with the boy's life. When he sees that the boy is not with us, he will die. Then your servants will have brought the gray hairs of your servant, our father, to Sheol in sorrow. Your servant became accountable to my father for the boy, saying, If I do not return him to you, I will always bear the guilt for sinning against you, my father. Now please, let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy. Let him go back with his brothers. For how can I go back to my father without the boy? I could not bear to see the grief that would overwhelm my father. Well... They return to Egypt. Again, they're bowing down before Joseph, just as he told them in his dream over 20 years before, as we just saw in the kids' video. You know, and Judah takes responsibility here for them having the cup. He didn't know how it got there. Uh, he dealt with the fact that they had the cup that wasn't theirs. That's what he was dealing with. We're not told that he think that maybe one of the other brothers took it. Did he wonder maybe if Benjamin took it? We don't know. We're not told. What he knows is there the cup is. He didn't try to deny it. 
He didn't try to say it wasn't there. You see, when an opportunity comes, we can use that opportunity to assign blame, you know, or really to avoid blame or to try to excuse ourselves. That's a very foolish waste of an opportunity. When God gives us an opportunity and we try to, we try to, you know, point away and point to someone else and how guilty they are, what a waste of an opportunity. Joseph here, or excuse me, Judah here did not try to make any excuses. He didn't try to make a single excuse. He admitted that the cup was found in their possession. And that cup was found in our possession, he says, so the consequences are justified. The consequences are justified here. He didn't, he didn't try to go on about how it got there or what happened or, you know, your servant must have planted. He didn't do any of these things. What he said is, we had this cup. This punishment is justified. Maybe he was still seeing this as punishment for selling Joseph into slavery as he had earlier. If you recall in in, uh, chapter 42, um, verse 21, it says, Then they said to each other, Obviously we're being punished for what we did to our brother. We saw his deep distress when he pleaded with us, but we would not listen. That is why trouble has come on us. When they came to Joseph the first time, and again, not realizing it was Joseph, they came before the leader of Egypt the first time, and they were arrested, and they were having this trouble, and this is what they said. It's it's because we sinned against Joseph, you see. And because we sinned by what we did to Joseph, God is punishing us. Is this what's going through his mind again? I don't know. It's certainly possible. Again, we're not told. Our past can come back to haunt us. You know, our past can come up, you know, don't let it. Don't let it. I had a friend, very committed Christian, and a, a young mother had two little girls, um, and she got cancer, and it just didn't go well. Uh, it didn't go well at all. And... Uh, you know, we watched her uh, suffer through the treatments and um, with her two little girls. I think they were four and six or seven at the time. And I remember talking with her. And she said, Pastor, God is doing this to me. Because before she was a Christian, she had had an abortion. And she said, God is punishing me for that. I told her, I said, no, he's not. You know, have you, have you, have you come to that place where you've asked God to forgive you? Yeah, yes, I have. Do you believe he's forgiven you? Yeah, yeah. You see, he's forgiven you for all your sins. Even something that we think, you know, is so horrible. He's, he, when he forgives you, he forgives you for, you know, for all of these things. If you've repented, you know, and you've confessed to God, take him at his word. Take him at his word for what he says, that he has forgiven you. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, so if you've taken it to him, if you've repented, you know, one of the ways you, you deal with this past coming back up to haunt 
want you is take God at his word. Realize that he has forgiven you and he has cleansed you. Use that as an opportunity to thank God once again for that cleansing that he's given. For what you see as even as such a horrible sin. Now, our problem is we don't see all sin as horrible. We should. You know, but thank him that he has forgiven you. And realize it could be the enemy trying to discourage you because, you see, he doesn't have to defeat you. All he has to do is discourage you because if you're discouraged, what do you do? You withdraw. If you're discouraged, you crawl back into that hole. You, you, you pull your head back into that shell. And what do you do? You don't let your light shine for Christ. Why? Because you're, you're depressed. You're down. You don't talk to other people about, about Jesus. Why? Because you're thinking about what a horrible person you are. See, all he has to do is discourage you. But realize also, you know, that when that past comes back to haunt you, it could be, you know, your opportunity to grow. Your opportunity to grow and to accept God's word as true. And true for you. I remember... I remember talking with my brother. I remember exactly where we were. I was driving. I had picked him up after some trouble that he had gotten into. And we were driving out to uh, pick up his car. And I remember talking to him and telling him about the Lord and him saying to me, Pat, I'm glad that works for you. It just won't work for me. Except God's word is true. And it's true for you. And when he says that if we confess and, and bring our sins to him, that he is faithful, he is righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Here's the deal. When you come to God and confess your sin and you're, and you're feeling, you know, that sin comes up and you're feeling you're not forgiven, it's not about you. It's about God and His righteousness. It's about God and His faithfulness. And if you confess, He is faithful. He is righteous. Don't buy the lie of the enemy. Don't, don't dwell and feed your self-doubt. Take God at His word. Joseph here, he narrows the focus down to Benjamin, the one they were all most interested in. Joseph wanted to, wanted a relationship with his family. He was going about it a poor way, but, you know, they all wanted to bring Benjamin back. You know, anybody but Benjamin here. So here are the brothers. They have the opportunity to abandon Benjamin just to save their own skin, literally here. 
They had that opportunity to abandon him just as they had done to Joseph. They abandoned Joseph earlier, you know, because they were ticked at him. And they abandoned Joseph to slavery years ago to get what they wanted. What they wanted was him out of the way. What they wanted was him to be gone. What they wanted was him not to, not to even be around. And so they abandoned Joseph. Here, this opportunity presents itself again. And they have the opportunity to do better. Judah says, take me, send Benjamin back, take me, keep me, he said. And he goes and he explains his concern for his father. Joseph heard now, Joseph heard for the first time what his father, what Jacob thought had happened to him. He heard for the first time that his father thought that he was dead all of these years, that his father thought that he had been killed. And Judas steps up here. He takes responsibility. He takes the blame. You know, he takes whatever is going to come, whatever that outcome might be. He doesn't try to make Joseph the guilty party. He says, you know, I'm going to bring my father's head down to to the grave in sorrow if you keep him. You, You need to keep me. Don't look to blame others when something's going on. You know, don't, don't look to blame others. Don't look to, you know, to see how you can get out of things yourself. Uh, instead, you know, work to, you know, work, work. The opportunity was here, you know, for the brothers to act on any jealousy that they might have had toward Benjamin, just as they did with Joseph. They acted on their jealousy toward Joseph. You know, Benjamin was treated, you know, and seemed to be valued more by his father, just as Joseph was. Just as Joseph was, and with Joseph, then they abandoned him. And here, Benjamin, Benjamin even seemed to be treated better by, by this Egyptian official, for pity's sake. Remember, he got five times the amount of food that the others did. You know, and here they had this opportunity to, to you know, to set him aside, you know. And, and years earlier, Judah was the one who suggested that Joseph be sold into slavery. In Genesis chapter 37, it says, Then Judah said to his brothers, What do we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay a hand on him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And they agreed. He's our brother, our own flesh, so let's sell him into slavery? Uh, Well, here, now they are, you know, and Benjamin's there. And Pharaoh's official says, I'm only taking that one, and I'm taking him into slavery. And here Judah offers to take the punishment himself. Judah offers to take the punishment in place of his brother Benjamin. This is what Judah's later descendant, Christ Jesus, did. Jesus was in the line of Judah. And this is what Jesus did for us. Jesus took our punishment. Jesus took the guilt that we all deserved. That guilt that, that was ours. And he took that punishment for the guilt that we bear. Jesus stepped up. He embraced the opportunity and he took the punishment that we deserved. He took the punishment for our sins. Judah's later descendant took the punishment for our sin. Judah here, he couldn't undo what it had been done to Joseph. 
He couldn't undo what had been done to Joseph, but now he had the opportunity to do better. He had that opportunity to change and to do better. And it was over 20 years later, over 20 years later, but here comes that opportunity again. And now he chose to do better. He took that opportunity and chose to do better. And even further evidence of, of his repentance here, again, from uh, a little later in, in Genesis 37, it says, Then Jacob tore his clothes and put sackcloth around his waist and mourned for his brother, uh, excuse me, mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and daughters tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will go down to Sheol to my son mourning. And his father and his son wept for him. Take that to the next slide, Andy. Thanks. You see, Judah seized the opportunity to do better here. He seized that he didn't step away. He stepped up. When you are presented with every opportunity that you are presented with before God, every opportunity, you are, you are making a choice whether you're going to step away or whether you're going to step up. Whether you're going to step away from God or whether you are going to step up and embrace God. Whether you're going to step up and, and, and be the person God is calling you to be, not the person that fear is pushing you to be, or greed, or anxiety or lethargy, or laziness, or whatever it is. You have that opportunity to step up. The opportunity for you to do better is today. It's each day. Each day that you wake up is that opportunity to do better. Every single... is before you right now. Look at those points in your outline there. Don't lie. Don't look to assign blame. Don't make impulsive statements. Don't take sin lightly. The opportunity, the opportunity to sin, the opportunity to sin is also the opportunity to do right. Do not repay evil, anyone evil for evil. But, you know, try to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If it is possible on your part, live at peace with everyone decide to do better and then act on that decision throughout each day it's not just deciding that you're going to do better you see because if you say i've decided to do better and you don't then act on and actually do better you really haven't made that decision you've only made an empty an empty statement I was going to say an empty promise, you know, but if you mess up, you know, if you mess up, stop. Stop it and change and begin to do better. If you find yourself in the midst of something, stop and change and begin to do better. Well, I remember when I, when I, I've shared with you before, you know, one of my struggles when when I became a Christian, uh, was my mouth. Not just in, not, not, here I'm not just talking about, you know, being a smart aleck, you know, that's still there. Uh, but um, swearing, vulgar language, was 
very much a part of how I talked. I worked in a, in a shop, you know, and we like to say that and excuse that, but you know, you can work in an office, you can work anywhere. The point is, where I was, that environment, uh, curse words, swearing were just descriptive adjectives thrown in even where you wouldn't put in a descriptive adjective. You know, they were just, it was just a part of what we did. And I remember it was a battle for me to try to get that under control. And I prayed, you know, Lord, help me. Help me to do better. And I can remember then after I, you know, after I was done cursing and swearing, and I think, boy, you really blew it. You know, you really blew it. And then what I noticed is, well, see, before it wouldn't have bothered me. What I noticed is the fact that it bothered me was a good step. And then what happened was it would get closer and closer to that point of, you know, after I was, after I was done, you know, either cursing out one of my, uh, you know, one of my fellow employees or, you know, speaking that way. And it was closer and closer to that point of, you know, to the point of then where I'd begin to open my mouth and I'd realize, mm, mm, no, 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 choose to do better. So, you know, if you mess up, stop, change, and begin to do better. Quit making excuses for yourself. Stop, change, continue. If you sin, stop, confess it, and begin to do better. Because God said, when we confess, He is faithful. He is just. He is righteous. He will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Take Him at His word. Seize the opportunity to do better let's pray father thank you for trusting us when i think back on my own life i'm just quite humbled that you trusted me that you do trust me and it's not because of me lord it's because of you and your transforming power at work Help us to realize that you are working in us and through us. Lord, don't let us point fingers at other people. Help us to point other people to you. Help us to to raise our sights, to see you high and lifted up, to see you on your throne, realizing that it is a throne over all creation. Father, while some people might be doing foolish things, stupid things, don't let us do that, please. As your people, help us to choose to do better. Lord, as we're gathered here and maybe some sins have come to our mind or some behavior that doesn't bring you honor and glory has come to mind and you have reminded us that we need to stop that. We need to choose to do better. Oh, Father, don't let that go from our minds. Help us each step of the way to step up and not to step away from you, but to step up and choose to do better, to choose to bring glory and honor to you, we ask in Christ's name. Amen.